Joining us now is Bobby Erig. He's the CEO of the Veterans Integration Centers, or the VIC. Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Thanks for having me on. Tell me about the Veterans Integration Centers. Um, so the VIC uh, is one of the only uh, nonprofits 100% focused on ending veteran homelessness in New Mexico. Um, we've been actually celebrating our 15th year this year of providing services. Um, and we provide um, primarily um, support to homeless veterans and their families through multiple housing models. Um, we can get somebody immediately off the streets uh, if they're willing to accept our services and take them all the way through till they are able to recover and move into a new apartment or new home on their own independently. And uh, I, it's Veterans Integration Centers. So you have, uh, tell me about the, you have multiple locations? Uh, we do. So we have uh, three offices right now in New Mexico. Uh, we have our, our main office, uh, which, uh, which is in Albuquerque, um, and our transitional housing office uh, is co-located there. We also then have our uh, central office, which is our uh, rapid housing and emergency housing program uh, on Central and Tramway. And then we also have an office uh, with an employee down in the Alamogordo area who covers uh, the southern part of the state. Um, what we try and do is um, provide service anywhere in New Mexico, um, and uh, we remotely send staff out um, to help those, especially in the uh, rural areas of the state, um, so that they don't feel like they, they cannot get services. I think one thing that I find so interesting about your organization is people often, someone is holding a sign that says homeless veteran, and they feel like uh, they, well, how do I know that that guy is really a veteran is kind of what plays in their head. But that's actually like the entirety of your organization is is helping fix that problem, right? Uh, it is, you know, unfortunately, um, a lot of people in the last decade have claimed veteran status because, you know, they're trying to get help of some kind. Um, and, you know, for the majority of people in New Mexico, uh, we, we very, uh, astutely uh, examine and evaluate uh, those who are on the streets. You know, if our, if our staff are out trying to do outreach, um, they'll actually go right up to people that have those signs just to see, you know, if they're really a veteran, but also to see if we can provide services as well. So it, it is, um, you know, our 100% of our mission um, to not just find every veteran uh, in need, but also provide services if they're willing to accept them. And how do people get involved? Um, I understand that the, it's a different world, but um, if someone wants to donate or someone wants to help out, uh, what's the best way for them to contact you guys? Um, so the easiest way to get information as far as what we do, the services we offer, and how to connect is on our website at uh, www.nmvic.org. Um, or they can also call um, at 505-296-0800. And uh, one of our staff can help them out. Um, we rely, I say we're kind of a modified grassroots organization. A lot of the services and supports that we provide beyond what our grants uh, pay for as far as funding is because of people in the community supporting us. So, for example, one of the things that we uh, do uniquely from a lot of organizations in the country is when a veteran family moves into their new home or permanent home, usually an apartment or a small house, uh, we fully furnish the unit. And we do that through our donations um, by giving members of the community, you know, giving us slightly used items and things like that, because we want to make sure that when they are provided support, there's nothing missing in that support system. 
so that they don't, you know, you know, you go to an organization and they don't have money to buy groceries. Well, we provide groceries, we provide furniture because we want them to have a start that is without barrier. So um, we do a lot of that with community members, businesses and things like that, um, whether it's, you know, us picking up slightly used furniture or people dropping off bags of slightly used clothing or small appliances or even, um, you know, donors who prefer um, just to make monetary donations. We have multiple ways to do that as well. So um, there's plenty of opportunities, though, for the community to get involved with us, or we will also create new opportunities based on somebody's unique interest. Um, what we try and tell everybody is, is we appreciate that you want to give back and help veterans and their families. So what we want to do is do it in a way that respects your interests and also supports our veteran families. So talk to me about, um, you mentioned that you have people that visit individuals that are holding a sign that say homeless veteran. Let's say that person is a homeless veteran and let's say that they are, they are willing to accept your help. Talk me through the process and, and what you guys do for them. Um, so a lot of times, depending on you know how they enter our system or enroll, uh, what we do is we have uh, outreach teams that will connect with them as fast as we contact them, um, whether that's face-to-face -face or, or they call or somebody calls standing next to them because they don't have a phone. Um, we're able to evaluate them as far as veteran eligibility pretty quick with just a few questions in a couple minutes. And then what we'll do is if a, a, we'll assume a person is eligible, we will send teams out to pick them up if they need to be picked up for transportation. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll move them into what's our called our emergency housing. And um, the intent of that is to take somebody from literal homelessness, whether that's you know living with a friend on the couch or living on the streets, and get them into a safe, supportive, stable living environment so they can begin their transition. That's normally about five to seven days. Um, we'll provide everything. You know, if they don't have clothing, we'll get that. Hygiene. We'll make sure they have plenty of food uh, and contacts and things like that. And then we'll move into the transitional housing phase uh, for most of our clients, which can be anywhere from 30 days up until one year. And that's where they kind of focus and address all those struggles that led them to the homeless situation in the first place. Um, that, you know, that could be things that what most people feel or understand, you know, co common like substance use or alcoholism. But there are just a lot of veterans out there that they have no family support systems um, and they just don't know how to navigate systems to ask for help. So um, our people are there and our case managers are there with them all the way along. Um, and then once that process is over. They move into the rapid rehousing or permanent housing phase we'll be able to take them help them move into an apartment and that's when they're basically at a point where they consider themselves stable and we make sure as like a parent with them that they have the right systems in place whether that's the health care the education the job the uh, disability payments any of that type of stuff uh food stamps any of that so that we can again make sure we help them remove barriers to their long-term success and sustainability. And so I imagine that veterans in particular, that that's a difficult conversation to have with someone who is in a place where they have supported themselves, they have been um, individuals, very you know strong individuals for them to accept help. Do you find that to be the case? Uh, yes. So, you know, depending on what state you're in, 
your your veteran your homeless veteran population has a different demographic. Um, for example, in New Mexico, we deal with a lot of older veterans from approximately 55 to 75. Um, there's a lot that have been on their own, living on the streets or, or encampments for years, and they just never had anyone reach out to them on their level. You know, everybody kind of wants to throw things at them and say, please call us. And we take the opposite approach, especially because 90% of our staff are veterans or family members themselves. So we want to use that understanding and relationship to make them feel comfortable, but also show them that, you know, we're going to be there to provide for them. We're going to help them with the systems they need and the services. We're not going to let them do it alone because, you know, no veteran ever serves the country alone. You know, when you get into a homeless state, you feel like you're totally alone and isolated. And we want to get rid of that so that they feel welcome, they feel comfortable and accepted and not, not a you know, not bias against them or somebody has a particular opinion and we remove those barriers as we're providing the service to them. How long uh, can someone receive help from the Veterans Integration Centers? So if if you accept services, uh, a normal veteran who's literally homeless on the streets with no systems, things to deal with, will probably be in all of our services and support for about a year and a half. Um, Again, it's unique to each person, and some people skip one thing to another. Um, but if you're talking about somebody who's just starting off from scratch, they could have our support in different housing models, different supports for up to 18 months uh, of services and support. We're speaking no with problem. Bobby Erig. He's the uh, CEO of the Veterans Integration Centers, or the VIC, in New Mexico here. Uh, how do you talk to people? I've heard... In doing shows, uh, public shows like this, uh, constantly people are frustrated from home organizations that help homeless people that when you give money to people on the streets, that you're sort of increasing that problem. And that if people would give more money to homeless help organizations, they could help defeat the problem. Do you find that to be the case? And how do you talk to people about that? Yeah, so I think that's two discussion points. The first, as far as giving to those on the streets, New Mexicans and a lot of Americans, you know, people are very compassionate and understanding and, you know, giving a couple dollars here and there. The first thing we tell everybody is try not to give cash. If you want to drop off food, uh, some clothing, things like that, the person on the streets, we encourage that because that way then that stigma of, well, they're just going to take it by alcohol or by drugs is removed. You know, and, and uh, that makes it tends to make people who help others in need a lot more prone to doing that. But uh, when you help organizations like the VIC, you know, I could tell you from our perspective, 90 cents of every dollar goes directly back into our programs. So we have the lowest overhead I have ever seen in nonprofits helping homelessness around the country in a long time. Um, but also is that um, we're very transparent on how we provide service, what we provide, as well as we always encourage people who are interested to come and check out our programs. We're always happy to give tours because we want people to feel that their money is well spent. We also want to show them that services are being provided that we tell, that we express and show to the community is being provided and how that, how that actually is helping resolve the crisis of homelessness that is actually growing for veteran families in New Mexico. And what are the barriers 
to people accepting help. You mentioned when you set it up that, and if they're willing to accept help, what, what are the things that make someone reluctant to accept your organization? So there's a few. I think the first thing is, is that a lot of homeless individuals in general have been disenchanted when somebody says they want to help them. Um, you know, there's a lot of social service agencies around the country and, and, you know, they're still businesses, but the reality is, is everybody doesn't actually do it the same. You know, um, each organization is different. They have different missions and priorities. So a lot of that, especially veterans, uh, feel that, you know, they may or may not believe the person saying they're going to offer the help. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, is that a lot of them feel that the stigmas associated with homeless people are going to be things that are a bias for somebody trying to provide service. Some of them have told us stories where, um, you know, they, they, they come to us, but they've gone to three other organizations and they just felt like people were talking down to them rather than talking with them or to them. You know, and that makes them feel even worse about the situation. And it doesn't matter if they got there because of drugs, alcohol, depression, you know, loss of income or things like that, disability. It's just they still want to feel like they're human and that people aren't looking at them in a different way. And that's a, that's the other large barrier to them accepting help when offered to them. I think there's often a misconception about drug or alcohol abuse in homelessness as well, which is you're talking about that's the self-medication because of a symptom. And especially when you're talking about veterans, it's a lot of PTSD. There's a lot of unresolved issues um, and alcohol or drugs becomes the cover for it rather than the actual source of the problem. Yeah. I mean, the majority of our clients, uh, regardless of age or how long they served or what branch, a lot of times the substance use of any kind is a condition of coping. Um, they don't have access to appropriate health care. Uh, when they do, maybe they, they just didn't get the right service. And a lot of our veterans say, you know, that um, they use those as coping skills because that was the only thing they could afford or figure out. You know, uh, um, some do have mental illness, some have PTSD and trauma. Um, but again, the substance use is just a cause of another problem. I mean, a, a remedy of another problem. Um, but once you get them on the right path and give them support, you'd be amazed at how much improvement that can actually have on somebody's, you know, mental stability and mental health and welfare um, when you provide services rather than, you know, just band-aids to dealing with problems. I think one of the reasons that I was excited to talk with you today is that people always say that they're, they, I'm always looking for an organization I would love to give money or support to homeless foundations but i'm I, I wish that i could only you know there were places that helped veterans get on their feet i think people often aren't aware of these kinds of organizations um and that's why i'm, I'm happy to be kind of telling the story today with you can you tell me some of your favorite success stories from the vic uh, yeah, so um, first, I, I'd like to thank you for, for having us on because I think that's an important point. Um, there are a lot of organizations that are doing great things out there at the grassroots level, but the challenge is it's still a business, and trying to get the word out there is a lot of money. It costs a lot. So a lot of the small organizations, you know, much like us, and we covered the whole state, been around 15 years, but people just hear about us by word of mouth. So that's one challenge. Um, as far as success stories, so... 
Uh, we have something called Operation Warrior Recovery. It's a peer support led program. And we're finding, um, especially in veterans like myself, peer support or battle buddies like we had in the military make a big difference. So we started a program uh, in our organization. And what it does is it, it takes uh, and gives a battle buddy to each veteran in our program, somebody they can call if they're struggling or just want to talk or have something they, they got to get off their chest. And then what we did was we integrated uh, uh, day outings and overnight trips and things like that that make them feel normal. So uh, we did an uh, overnight trip. Uh, usually it's like fishing or hiking, something something that's informal therapy that veterans can relate to. And we took a, a group camping last year. And what we do as part of this process is we have a fireside chat at, at the end of each day and allow the veterans just to kind of conversate and maybe get something off their chest that they're feeling about. And uh, we had one last year um, who uh, he had been on the streets for about four years, um, had been disconnected from his family and his children, which is kind of depressing to him. And um, he opened up. He'd only been in program two weeks and uh, he opened up the campfire and he said, I wanted to thank you guys for what you, you're doing here. And I asked him, I said, OK, you know, can you kind of elaborate on that? And he basically told us that. Um, about a week prior to him enrolling in our program, he had thought of suicide. And, you know, we try not to push him pride, but he was willing to talk to us about it. And he said he was basically at his rope's end and he didn't feel that anybody cared enough to help him work through the difficulties. He admitted that, you know, he had used alcohol to cope with it, um, but that he now felt like, like he had a family again, like a military family that could actually help him. And he was looking at life a lot more positive. So, you know, averting suicide is also one of the biggest things among veterans that we're trying to do every day. And uh, we try and do that in our program. So, you know, that was one of our great success stories uh, of him actually sharing it. Um, he was in program about seven months and um, he's now thriving. He comes and checks on us every couple months to say hello and volunteer. Uh, but he's, be he's successful now. He's stable. Um, he's getting the care and treatment and ease. And he even was able to connect to his daughter who he hadn't talked to in about seven years. So um, those kind of stories are the things that we get done here at the Vic. So why does it seem that homelessness or uh, you mentioned suicide, the numbers are so high with veterans. What are some of the risk factors that make that the case? Well, I, I mean, I think for, for people who have never served in the military, what you have to understand is that, um, you know, the, the, the methodology and the training that you provide soldiers in any branch specifically is focused around war. It's focused around combat and protecting the country, but it's generally around war. And I think the struggle is that any veteran who's done several years and, and leaves that environment of constantly learning that, training for that, having support systems in place and all the resources, whether it's simple as having free chow hall food every day to getting medical care, when they leave that entire support system, they go to the community and then they feel absent and there's this gigantic hole in their life. And a lot of veterans, you know, they struggle with trying to go back to being a civilian after getting out of the military where everything is provided for them. So I think that leads to a lot more depression. Um, it leads a lot more to suicidal ideation, depending on if somebody served in combat maybe and had some serious situations. And um, that struggle within veterans of going back to the society is, is a challenge. 
if you look at any war in history, the only reason we know so much now about veteran struggles is because of technology, the internet, you know, the amount of information we share now versus, you know, whether it was post-Vietnam, Korean War, World War II, the same problems existed. It's just the way that society deals with it now brings those problems to light a lot faster than they would, let's say, 50 years ago. What role does the VA play in ending homelessness? I know it's one of their goals to end uh, veteran homelessness, um, and I didn't know what role they played with your organization. So so overall, the VA, uh, people don't realize this, they're actually one of the largest funders of homeless services throughout the nation. Um, and by that, I mean they basically have large grant programs that are divvied out to nonprofits throughout the country, providing services to deal with homelessness, mental illness, housing, and things like that. And they are a partner for organizations like the VIC to be able to provide those services outside of the VA healthcare system. You know, the system itself was only made um, to provide healthcare services in general. So they aren't able to provide long-term or near-term services like housing and those, but they do work with us constantly and daily to uh, integrate veterans, not just to the services outside the VA, but also in the VA. So our, our transitional housing, for example, is funded in large part because of the Veterans Healthcare Administration. Um, but they also provide clinicians and case managers to work with our veterans and our staff to get them more integrated into the VA system quickly and efficiently, and also that they have that connectivity to other support systems. So the VA officially doesn't provide services outside the healthcare, but they actually are providing it throughout the country and, and in critical roles that people just don't realize, you know, are successful um, using the nonprofit model. If someone is listening to this and they are a veteran who is sleeping on somebody's couch, uh, how do they go forward in contacting you guys to uh, take advantage of your services? So what I would say is give us a call, 505-296-0800, uh, uh, and just talk to whoever answers the phone. Uh, let them know the situation. Do not be afraid to tell them anything. Um, they are not there to judge. Uh, but what they will do is try and quickly assess, can we provide you service or do we know somebody that can? And that's kind of the first step. Um, you know, in, in the trauma model of recovery, the first step is always – you know, even with alcohol, 12-step, admitting you have a problem, and then the next step is is when to accept help. Uh, we try and be there so that somebody can do that, and, you know, their problem is, hey, they're homeless, and we want to provide that service uh, as fast as we can because we want to make sure that they have the opportunity to become successful and independent on their own. So, and what are the requirements for accepting veterans does it matter about honorable discharge or how long they served to access your services so for our program in general uh, as far as veteran status basically any veteran who's ever served and we actually have programs just for part-timers so national guard and reserve is too um, anybody who's ever served and uh, if they've been discharged have a discharge other than dishonorable we're able to assess for any other program any all our programs 
for any other discharge type, and again, as well as part-time in na uh, National Guard Reservist, which is something very unique that we do here in New Mexico that's not done in a lot of other states as well with a large, uh, you know, citizen soldier force. We're talking with Bobby Erig. He's the CEO of the Veterans Integration Centers, the VIC, for uh, New Mexico. So you mentioned the emergency, the transition, and the rapid um, rehousing. You also run, I, I think, like shuttle services and other efforts to get veterans to move them around and get them to the things they need to get to. Tell me about that. Yeah, so one of the things uh, at the VIC is is that we don't want to just provide services. We want to be a contributing member of the community. Um, so one thing that we actually provide in Albuquerque is a community support shuttle. And what that does is it connects um, the homeless, the indigent, and those in the downtown corridor where a lot of the social services are. It provides a constant shuttle uh, throughout the day, free rides, free information, and that it also allows our team to connect to new veterans coming to the community. And again, that's uh, we were asked to do that several years ago, and it's been a highly successful program. We've connected hundreds of people to services, whether they're veterans or not, um, just with that resource in itself. Um, the other thing we also do is a food pantry. So um, we have a food pantry at our central office at Central Tramway. It was actually started because we wanted to make sure that our veteran clients had food resources. Uh, but as it expanded, we now provide over uh, 1,300 needy families, veteran and non-veteran, with food resources uh, twice a week throughout the year uh, at the pantry itself. And basically, you know, for that, anybody who is SNAP eligible will be able to receive those services, uh, food services through us and resources. Uh, we also do home delivered meals for disabled um, through the food pantry. So again, our opportunity to try and get back to the community as much as we can. And tell me about your, how COVID and the response to COVID has affected running the VIC. Um, so for us, uh, as far as the services we provide in the COVID environment, um, ours are essential services, uh, you know, as, uh, as dictated by the city of Albuquerque as well. You know, providing social services to the homeless, trying to get them off the streets, getting the care they need, and make sure also that we're not spreading COVID is critical to the homeless populations that we deal with. Um, basically, we took um, our planning and uh, emergency management experience in the military and applied it to what we do now. Um, so we have a lot of COVID protective measures in place, um, always checking on our clients also that live with us. Uh, making sure temperatures, masks, hand sanitizer and hygiene and things like that. Um, you know, a little more cleanliness of apartments and offices constantly. Uh, but for us as military folks, a lot of us, it's just something else to deal with. Um, whether it was COVID or, or, you know, maybe anthrax or some other problem, um, we just take it and, and try and accommodate to ensure that we can still provide service and in, in this long-term, you know, COVID environment that it doesn't affect us uh, negatively. And we've been blessed where none of our clients um, have received, have gotten COVID positive at all. Uh, and we hope to keep it that way. How many veterans does your organization have at any given time uh, that they're assisting? Um, so within our, our three housing models, 
we probably have approximately 120 to 130 uh, veterans and their families that we're serving at any given time. Um, each year, we help approximately 700 veterans and their families. Um, and for a small nonprofit like ourselves, you know, uh, we take pride in trying to uh, ensure that each one of them is highly successful in the process that they are uh, being received. And tell me about how, I guess, how long has the Veterans Integration Center um, been here in New Mexico? So the VIC was actually the first veteran nonprofit organization, 100% veteran nonprofit, uh, focusing on the needs of the homeless veterans since 2005. Uh, we were incorporated then. The idea started by one individual um, who got uh, about a half million dollars worth of funding and um, started our transitional housing models. And that evolved now after 15 years into the services and supports that we provide uh, and, and as well as what we do in the future. Wow. Bobby Erig, the CEO of the Veterans Integration Center here in New Mexico. Again, if someone wants to get involved, if someone wants to donate to you, or if there is a veteran uh, who may be unhomed right now, how can they reach out? How can they get a hold of you guys? Uh, you can call us at 505-296-0800, or you can also go on to our website at www.nmvic. Uh, Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.